Welcome back to the Legionnaire Podcast. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I am your host for the show. I'm doing solo today, though. It's me, Will, going back at it again. Unfortunately, Cal is not able to join me for this one. He is out on he's out on vacation right now. Um, we haven't done a solo one of these in a while, but he was unable to record with me. He doesn't have his microphone out on vacation with him, which is good. He ever needs a vacation, never needs a break. But I'm back in the saddle just doing it by myself for this week. Um, we've had a big week for podcast and for recordings we just keep pushing out all the content for you guys but yeah i'm recording this on new year's eve because i need to i got to i'm here to talk about the book of boba fett and oh my goodness i just want to jump right into this because i've been waiting for this show forever and i've been so excited for for live action star wars to finally make its return because it's been over a year since we've seen Star Wars back on, yeah, I say the big screen, but the small screen, big screen, it's been forever since the last episode of The Mandalorian. I love Bad Batch. I loved seeing the whole, um, oh, you had something on my monitor there. I love seeing the Bad Batch, like getting back to like that uh, pre-Empire, post-Republic uh, time period. I thought that was fun. I liked. The, I love the Clone Wars animation, but getting back into live action Star Wars is just it's something else. And I want to talk about this actually. Like before we get into this, the idea behind Boba Fett, it's just insane to me. And like if you sit down and think about it, it's crazy because Boba Fett only had like ten ish lines of dialogue in the original trilogy. He wasn't introduced. I mean, technically, when they redid the the original trilogy, and they uh, the special editions, they inserted Boba Fett in um, in the landing, uh, the docking area in Tatooine, where Han Solo and Chewbacca had left the Falcon. They inserted his character in there, but he didn't have any dialogue there. He didn't get. He wasn't really introduced officially though until Empire Strikes Back. He was in the movie every once in a while. And then he was in Return of the Jedi. And he was in it for the first... Return of the Jedi, I mean. If you've seen the movie, he dies. Dies, air quotes. And this is back in like 1983, when the movie first comes out. And here we are now. Like 20 plus years later. 20 some years later. It's insane to me to think about... 40 years later. Sorry, math. Um, it's insane to think about that the fans of Boba Fett, like when he got, when he fell into the Sarlacc pit back in the eighties and people were obsessed with this character, he fell into the Sarlacc pit and the fans were like, no, he survived. He did not die in there. And I love the fact that like the fans had like so much hope and so much determination. And there was such like an outcry, like, no, Boba Fett did not die. He still survived that. And now here we are with the TV show dedicated to him. I mean, he was introduced in the Mandalorian and we saw him finally make his return in that, but it was finally like, we finally get Boba Fett story. We finally get Boba Fett backstory and content. We get to hear more about what happened to him post Clone Wars, because that's the last time we saw him. Technically I loved this episode. 
I loved the whole episode. I mean, there were some parts that were stronger than other parts, but overall for a first episode, I think this was great. It was such a great introduction. And uh, let's just, I, I wrote physical notes for it because while I was watching, I was like, I don't like typing out notes while I'm watching the episode. It just becomes too much. I like just writing them down physically and like I can keep like looking up and writing it down. But Book of Boba Fett, chapter one, Stranger in a Strange Land. Oh my goodness. The intro for this show, the first like six minutes is it's bananas. It's the strongest opening I think that I've seen for, I mean, there's only been two star Wars, like Disney plus original live action shows. The Mandalorian had a very strong opening. The Mandalorian had to do something completely different though, because the Mandalorian had to introduce it was the Mandalorian had to do world building in its own manner because we were introduced to a different part of the galaxy with different characters in a different setting and a whole, completely different like vibe with this. And what Mando did in chapter one, episode one for the first, like for the pilot episode for that, it did great. It like, I, I love that episode. It does such a great job in the end where it does that twist with baby Yoda. It's phenomenal. And the whole episode itself is fun. It captures what, um, made star wars so iconic back in the 70s and the 80s it captured that original trilogy essence so coming back to book of boba fett now it's a little different because they don't need to do that world building because we're in familiar places with familiar characters and a familiar story setting that we already know so it's kind of less that it has to do so when it picks up and you sort of get boba in the back tank and you're getting the flashbacks that are happening and I immediately, when I saw Camino show up, I was like, yo, no shot. Are we actually going to see Django Fett? Unfortunately, we didn't. I was really hoping that we were going to see Django Fett. Who knows? I'm holding out that we'll still see. I mean, because when can you, like, also just thinking about the character of Boba Fett. He's a genetic clone from his father, Django Fett. Like Bulba is a clone of Django and they're played by the same actor. I just think that's like, it's so goofy to me. Like you get an actor who's like, cause you're playing a character, like two completely different characters. Like they're the same. They're biologically like the same person, but like they're two different characters completely. The entire clone army is the same thing because they're all clones of Django Fett. So it's like, I think that that whole like idea behind Django Fett and like the characterization for each like clone and Boba Fett himself. And then even Omega technically, I just think that, it's so unique and it's so cool in its own way. But back to Camino, I was just so excited because I was like, oh, are we going to see Django? We didn't, but I'm crossing my fingers that we still get to see him. But so then when we cut to, um, and every, everyone's been waiting for this. Like, it's just been insane. The Sarlacc pit. This is my favorite part of the whole episode because I've, I wanted to know how everyone's, everyone's wanted to know, not just me. Everyone's wanted to know how did Boba Fett actually get out of the Sarlacc pit. So them actually showcasing that and showing how he gets out and like this, when he's inside the Sarlacc pit and like, he sort of like coughs and like wakes up and like, it's a confined claustrophobic space. It's like, it feels tight and it feels uncomfortable. I wish the scene was longer because I enjoyed it so much. And like, you see him all tied up in there and all wrapped up. Um, you see a stormtrooper in there as well. And the stormtrooper must've been in there and he must've fell in that Sarlacc pit longer 
prior like prior to Boba Fett falling in there and prior to the sail barge incident because there were no Imperial stormtroopers that were working with Jabba to my knowledge back in Return of the Jedi because in Return of the Jedi it was just Jabba and um the Gamorrean guards and the other like bounty hunters security that he had hired out with him that were trying to send Luke Han Leia uh to their death and Chewbacca whoops sorry Chewie um but so I, I that's just something that I saw and I was like oh I wonder how that stormtrooper fell in there we need that's what I need I need a tv show of how that stormtrooper fell in that sarlacc pit as well but him in that sarlacc pit and like seeing him get out of it and when his hand busts out of the sand and like you see him start crawling out that's such an iconic shot like i just love that i saw it i was like this is this is amazing like this is exactly what i wanted to see in this show and this is already the first like three four minutes of the show uh i i was such a fan of that because it's you we've all had that like every even the biggest boba fett fans like i want to see him get out of the sarlacc pit and i felt like it was a very satisfying scene to see him inside of the pit itself and see like him sort of in like the digestive system or whatever wherever he was in the sarlacc pit because i don't know the anatomy of a sarlacc pit but i i was it was the best scene in the episode for my opinion like i i was just in love with it but we get the return of my my dad's favorite characters in star wars the jawas um and they capture his armor and everything i was like oh poor boba because he has to lose his armor at some point and Cobb vanth then has to acquire it somehow by the uh beginning of season two of the mandalorian because we see Cobb vanth in the boba fett armor so i'm curious on like are we gonna see maybe Cobb vanth in boba fett that'd be kind of interesting if we did because it'd be fun to see boba fett like track him throughout the series and like i want my armor back Cobb vanth has it night that belongs to me and again he doesn't get it until mando but it's totally okay because i just i want i love the show i love boba fett and i love that the story like is back in its own like setting and this is something that i just want to say as well like the Mandalorian did a good job of like capturing like the original trilogy and everything. And like, it's like its own entity. Like it created its own story with this though. Like it's coming back to like original characters, original settings. Like that was already created in this. It doesn't need to create these new settings in a world that already exists. So them coming back to this and capturing the same exact, like the same exact thing that they had done in the original trilogy i think is phenomenal because the to me it feels exactly like something that was pulled out of the original trilogy they're not like in the force awakens where they're like not copying it but like really like really pulling things from it in this like they're using that to its advantage and they're creating the story around it because they know the world things that they exist in and they're still creating the story based off of it so i was I was a big, I was a big, big fan of like just the way that like the whole episode was like structured and that it felt like it was an original trilogy Star Wars story. Like it just felt like I was still in that same exact setting. So I was a big fan of that. But a decent portion of this episode then is like we kind of figure out what has Boba Fett been doing in these past like five, six, seven years, however long it's been since Return of the Jedi. 
and up to him becoming the crime lord and we get actual backstory for boba fett um and i thought it was interesting because you see him where he becomes a prisoner of the tuscan raiders or the sand people whichever term you prefer to use but i i was like oh this is interesting because i'm curious how long is he like sort of like one of their prisoners or whatever the term would be for that i i i was a fan of that though because i liked seeing like a different style from boba fett because in the clone wars you see like this very angsty angry preteen kid and he's he's just an angry kid the whole time of that and with this now he seems more like I mean, he still has like his motivations and everything. Like he doesn't want to be captured, but you sort of the backstory that we get or the flashbacks that we get in this follow through to the present day for when the show is taking place. Because when we cut to Bulba coming out of the back to tank, and I kind of want to talk about this briefly as well. Fennec Shan's character, this is my own, like this is my only like complaint about the episode is Fennec Shan's character just feels like she's kind of there. Like I'm not like, I'm not super invested in her. Like, I mean, Ming-Na Wen does a, f- she's fine in her performance for her, but I just think Fennec Shand is like a bland character. Like I'm not super, ah, I need to see more of her. Like, unless if they start developing her character more and like give more backstory, she's kind of just, she's kind of just there for me. Like, I don't think she's, I don't know. I'm not really super invested in her and I really could care less what happens with their character, but maybe that'll change. Maybe something happens in this later in the series where I'm like, Oh my God, what's going to happen with Fennec. But uh, she's just not someone that I really care much about. Like I'd rather just see more of Boba Fett, but um, when we cut to Boba Fett to present day coming out of the back tank and they're receiving the tributes from the different families and Boba being the, the dime daimyo or the crime Lord as it's called. Um, also, oh, I want to talk about this too. When he's putting on his helmet before he goes to the tribute, before he goes to the tributes that are being made to him, when he puts on his helmet, it sounds exactly like Darth Vader's helmet. Like it sounds like exactly like that sound effects. Like I heard it and I wrote that down. I don't know if that's done on purpose or if I, it has to be done on purpose or if my ears just like were misleading me, but it sounded so similar to Darth Vader's helmet. I was like, this is really interesting. I, I love that. But when we cut to the present day and the tributes and we're seeing Boba Fett like with the different families, the Trandoshans and um, the other people that are sort of tribu- um, contributing to his cause as the daimyo, as the crime lord, we see that there was actually um, some Gamorrean guards that I really wanted to focus on this as well because I think that like this is something that sort of is being overlooked from the episode from what I've been reading and reactions from people that I've heard. But... um with the Gamorrean guards, they used to work for Jabba and they were like really, they were devoted to him. Well, Jabba is no longer here. Boba Fett is the new crime Lord and he's taking over his, he's taken over his position. And when one of the, when the droid who's sort of like giving the exposition dialogue for everything, but the droid says to Boba, he says, these are the Gamorrean guards that Jabba had. Do you want to torture them and set, uh, set the tone like for the entire, crime lords and crime family around Tatooine so they know that you are like you're actually the the boss they know you're not to be messed around with and he's like no don't torture them I think that's interesting because I mean the flashbacks for this episode like it's focuses on I mean Bobo was tortured like he was basically like beat up tortured and like 
bullied harassed while he was like a prisoner for the tuscan raiders and the sand people i think that people like aren't like understanding like i don't think he wants to like put other other people like other beings other animals uh, the the species i don't think he wants to put the gamorian guards through what he went through like i think he understands that and i think that's why he's like i want to rule with respect not fear maybe that's not the exact reason but i think that plays a factor in it because they wouldn't go out of their way to like make that a plot point in the episode where it's like you watch Boba Fett get like beaten down physically and mentally like by these Tuscan Raiders and you cut to the present day and like, do you want to torture these Gamorrean guards? And he's like, no, I don't want to do that. I think that that's like, I, that's like one of the main reasons on why he's not doing it because he, he knows what it's like and he knows what it feels like to be tortured. And I don't think he wants to go through that, which if it is, we'll find out as the series goes on. I mean, shout out to Boba Fett, an absolute legend. I love the I love the character. Like I've said this before. He was drunk in the original trilogy. But that's not to say that I didn't like his character. Like I think he's he's such a badass. He's so cool. But I mean, like in the original trilogy, when he flies into the Sarlacc pit, I'm like, bro, are you hammered right now or what? How did that happen? But I I think that that torture bit is like a main like plot point for this episode and that's like not something that's not being talked enough about um something else then too as they we're going through and we're going through the tributes the uh the most espa mayor has his like right hand man go visit them I didn't know that it was most espa sort of that's like the main because Jabba, I, I know about Mos Eisley, and that's where we first meet Han, Chewie, and that's where Luke and Obi-Wan go to get off of Tatooine off planet. I didn't know that Mos Espo was like sort of something that Jabba like oversaw closely because, I mean, I'm not familiar with the geographic locations in Star Wars on Tatooine specifically. I mean, like I know planets, I know cities on the planets, but I didn't know that. I mean, I know about Mos Espa. I mean, I'm such a star. I'm I'm a gigantic Star Wars geek, but I think it's interesting that we get to see like the twin, uh, the twin city because we always hear about Mos Eisley and they never talk about Mos Espa. So, and we got Mos Pelgo too in the Mandalorian. So I think it's cool that we're finally getting to see like a little bit more of Mos Espa. But when um the the right hand man or whatever the name exactly was for Mos Espa's mayor, he comes to he comes to air quotes, give his tribute to Boba Fett. He's welcoming him in the funniest bit in the whole, the whole episode is when he says to him, he's like, and now we need to talk about the, uh, the matter of tribute. And Boba's like, I'm confused. And Fennec Shan says to him, she's like, he wants you to pay him. When Boba says, he's like, what? I'm the crime lord. He's supposed to be paying me. I thought that that was so funny because like, he's just sitting there. He's like, what the hell? Why am I have to pay you? You're the one who's supposed to be paying me. I'm the crime lord for this uh, entire planet. You need to start paying me now. But I like how they set up the the conflict between the Mos Espa mayor and Boba himself. I'm I'm interested in where the story is going to go and where that plot line is going to go specifically because, I mean, it's it's too early in the show to like really know. And we haven't gotten because this episode was really focused on bring us up to speed with where Boba's been and doing, oh, excuse me, doing a little bit with like 
the present day and what he's doing as the crime lord but it was like really focused on him and like what he's done in the past so i was a fan of that but i'm i'm excited to see where this conflict with the mayor goes um i <clears throat> sorry i'm i'm trying to read my notes i my my handwriting is completely all goofed up here um I like as well the leadership styles between Boba Fett and Jabba the Hutt because I mean Jabba Jabba is completely lazy. You see I mean you see the differences between them and how Boba Fett throughout the episode like he's being like he's trying to stand he's standing on his own two feet. He's not like Jabba, he's not like a fat lazy slob. And I mean I know this isn't like a fair comparison to make cuz it's two completely different like stories and settings, but when I look at Jabba now I kind of think of the Baron Harkonnen from Dune. And I think that like they're similar characters where like, they're just like these fat slobs that just like have all this power and they're just like, I'm the boss. Like you listen to me now. I want what I want this done. Like you're going to get this accomplished for me. So I look at like the two of them, like fairly similarly, just with like, they're all, they're largely overweight, like slobs of beings and they just, they're gross. They're disgusting. But, like, with the leadership difference between Jabba and Boba, um, like, Jabba, we hear that he's he got carried around the city. And, like, like, like to me, I think of Egyptian style, like, how they, like they carried them in, like, those little, like, cart things. But, like, you had people that were carrying them around. I, I sort of think of that. And that's, oh, God, that would have been difficult to carry Jabba, I would imagine. But i think it's really interesting because boba fett's like no i'm gonna walk on my own two feet like i'm a man i'm gonna do this and i'm the i'm the crime lord like i'm not just gonna like hide away and get carried around by some uh peasants or some slaves that like are gonna do my bidding like i'm gonna do my own work i'm going to carry myself on my own two feet and i i just love that because i think boba fett's just a badass like he doesn't need to be like oh, we're going to like give you all these gifts and it's going to be this great parade. And like the people of Mos Espa are like, yo, this is not normal. You should not be walking around like that. And I, I think that's really interesting because again, I just think it's going to set up like some sort of tension and dynamic in like the city of Mos Espa between Boba Fett and him being the crime Lord. So I, I don't know. I think it's very interesting. We got. I gotta talk about it too. We get the return of the absolute legend Max Rebo in this. I mean, the Cantina band back at Mos Espa. Shout out! I'm so glad that they were able to make it off the sail barge and that they were able to um or out of Jabba's palace and that they were able to find their way to Mos Espa and start start up their band again and keep playing music. I was such a fan. They're playing the the Cantina song again and it's in its own different little bit, but. I I was a big fan of that. And there was a cool little like fight scene then like after Bulba sort of meets with uh the lead, that uh the family at that uh bar slash diner setting. It was a cool scene. I mean like it's there's not really much for me to like break down or think about with that specifically. Um but I like the fight scene that happened after just because like it was fun to see like a little action happening and going on. And this is where I have to credit Tamara Morrison again, because I mean, Tamara Morrison, like the facial expressions that he gives Boba Fett, like the faces that he makes with like the anger, the disgruntled look that he has when he's fighting. I, I just, I love it so much. I mean, like, I don't need Boba Fett to be like, 
I don't need like this crazy, like jaw dropping acting performance from tomorrow Morrison to like believe the character of Boba Fett. Like I believe him already. I think tomorrow Morrison is great for the character himself as well, just because of what the character embodies and represents where he's like, he's not over the top. He's a, he's literally a simple man trying to make his way through the universe, through the galaxy, like his father before him, like Django. I think that's just, it's the perfect description for Boba Fett. And they don't need to do this crazy acting performance that they have for tomorrow Morrison. He's literally just a simple man. That's all that they need to like define him for a character and as a person. So I was just, a, I'm, I'm a fan of that. I thought that tomorrow is just like, has like these great, like little subtle things that he does with the character, like the facial expressions that he has and everything that just, it just adds more to me for his character and makes me excited to see more for what's going to happen. Um, also in that little fight scene that happened to him, Boba shoots his rocket. He shoots the rocket at one of the people that ambushes him and Fennec. And there's a guy who's cr- like climbing on the walls to get away and Boba shoots him with his, uh, his wrist rocket. That dude is completely obliterated. Like that guy is dead. He is so dead. And it was hilarious. I watched and I was like, oh, yeah, that guy's dead right there. His body got blown to bits, but, I I thought that that was just kind of a fun little action scene, but he suffers like some like mental physical wounds that happen in the battle and he has to go back to the back to tank. And I feel like in the Mandalorian, whenever like there was a metal being like clanged together, like there was something that was like being constructed in a, a blacksmith and like you saw like an anvil like getting smashed together. You saw this metal getting like clashed. You, it was backstory time we get to find out more about mando's backstory (laughs) and i feel like now when boba fett uh ends up in the back to tank it's backstory time we got to find out what boba's doing i just thought that that was kind of funny and if that's like something that dave and john dave filoni and john favreau are doing just to be like this is how we're gonna tell our backstory for our characters but it was just a little funny thing that i had thought of when i was watching it but the rest of Boba's backstory then, well, he's a prisoner of the Tusken Raiders, I thought was interesting because um, I thought it was fun to see him sort of gain the respect of the Tusken Raiders then by not um, leaving like one of the children Tusken Raiders that had like take him out, that had taken them out on like a water hunting raid. He sort of spared their life and he didn't, uh, he stopped them from getting killed by one of those crazy sand monsters that it's the first time we've ever seen one of them before and i was like whoa this looks kind of goofy but i i enjoyed that at the end of the episode then where he had saved the child that he had saved earlier that he didn't choose to be because that was the same tuscan raider that when bulba was trying to escape earlier in the episode and he says to the rodian also fuck that rodian all my homies hate them now but he says to the rodian he's like rodian do you want me to cut your bonds and um the rodian starts screaming and he busts bulba he gets bulba busted basically but that child that uh that child tuscan raider was like sort of in bulba's way and bulba could have beaten him down because that kid had been kicking him and harassing him earlier but he doesn't and you see that that kid like sort of recognizes that and remembers that so later on in the episode then bulba doesn't do it again and i think you can like sort of tell even though you can't understand tuscan raiders I mean, Mando can do like sign language with them and speak with them, but we as the audience are sort of, it's like a one dimensional storytelling that we get. We can only see it through their actions and sort of like their emotions that they do physically. But 
you see then he spares that Tuscan, that child Tuscan Raider's life. And at the end of the episode, you can tell that the father or the tribal leader for the Tuscan Raiders appreciates that. And he like gives Boba water. And I mean, I don't know if that's a sign, like it's mutual respect now at the end of the episode. And that, I mean, Hey, we might like work together. Like we have a little more respect for you now because you could have, you could have just let this kid die, but you didn't, you saved him. So I think that that's very, very admirable of Boba. And I also think that it's admirable for the tribe leader as well to like sort of get that form of respect to Boba because he gives him that like cup of water at the end of the episode. So I thought that that was really cool to see. Uh, I want to talk about this as well. The score for this, like Boba Fett's theme song and the score for this episode is phenomenal. The composer for this, Ludwig Gorenson, I, I think that's how you pronounce the name, might might have completely butch, butchered that, but he created the Mandalorian theme, which is an absolute banger. He created the Book of Boba Fett theme, which is an absolute banger. When like the music starts playing and like it's it's like yeah, and it plays like that Book of Boba Fett title at the beginning. It was, I was like, oh my God, this is such a sick, just like score soundtrack that they have created for his character. And then when the episode ends and they play it again, I was like, this is just, this is amazing. I love it. And I just think that Ludwig is sort of like overlooked as like a composer and like the person who's creating the score for these TV shows. Like, I think it's completely overlooked for him because John Williams did a great job in the original trilogy for the score. But I mean, the Mandalorian has some absolutely phenomenal scores and soundtracks that it's created for the series. I mean, you have the child, you have the Mandalorian, you have um, the rescue with Luke Skywalker. There's so many different like scores and soundtracks that have been created in that show itself that are so iconic and just phenomenal to like elevate the show to its next level because the listening to like a score in a soundtrack or in a movie or in a TV show, like it elevates it. Like having a good score really makes a movie better. Like Tron legacy, Tron legacy has an insane soundtrack thanks to Daft Punk. And it elevates the movie in my opinion, because of that, like if it didn't have that same soundtrack, I don't think I'd be as invested as I was, but it just makes the movie so much more fun and enjoyable. So with this, um, in the book of Boba Fett and we get his theme, I just think it's an absolute banger. I love it. I, I think it's such a good, it's such a good theme for him and his character and the episode. I love the end credits in the Mandalorian is the same thing where it shows the concept art. And the first one is him breaking out of the Sarlacc pit. I loved it. I was like, this is, so, I, I would get a poster of that like concept art. That's how cool I thought it looked or even the final like concept art that they showed of him in the, on Jabba's throne. I thought was phenomenal, but I mean, it's, it's such a great episode. I was such a fan of it. Um, I, yeah, I have very few complaints about it. I just thought like Fennec Shan's character is kind of bland, but I mean, I thought it was just the intro is such a strong opening for the show. I didn't even talk about this either. We cut to attack of the clones as well. And like, we got like a little new footage from attack of the clones. Like it was like different shots of the same scenes of like Boba holding onto Django's helmet. Like it was different scenes and different shots from attack of the clones, which I was like, Oh, this is cool to see. I love how I can tell that it's new shots because I've seen attack of the clones so many times, but I can't remember things that I study for exams on separate things. But I mean, that's just how it be. 
But yeah, I mean, there's very, very few complaints that I have for this episode. I thought it was great. I, I'm excited to see where the story goes. I want to see more Crime Lord daimyo stuff that happens in the series like i like the flashbacks and we still have to like get up to the present present day when i say present day i don't need to see past boba fett following mando on tatooine like i don't need to see past it like if we get up to the or like or even him saving fennec shand i I would say him saving fennec shand in season one i'd say be like that's that's all we need we don't need to like do any more character like backstory for his character i'd be fine with that but I was a very, very big fan of this episode. I think it was a very strong opening. I don't know if it was stronger than Mando's opening, but it was very good. I have few complaints about it. I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm just so happy that Star Wars is back in live action. But that's, I mean, that's all I can really think about for the series itself right now. I'm excited to see where it goes. Cal and I, if you're interested to see if you want to hear me make predictions for this series, you can go back and listen to our earlier episode, making predictions for the book of Boba Fett. If you want to hear both Callahan and myself speak about that, but yeah, that's uh that's the first episode of book of Boba Fett. And we're back at it again with live action star Wars, but I, I don't think I have much of anything else to say for this. Um, if you did enjoy this episode, if you enjoyed this little short uh, review that I had for the book of Boba Fett, feel free to share it with someone else who you think would like it. If you ha- if you don't agree with anything that I said or you have anything else that you wish I would talk about or you think we should cover in the book of Boba Fett series, feel free to shoot us a message on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Our handle is at LegionnairePod. Uh, we have an email as well at LegionnairePodcast at gmail.com. We always look at those. So if you, any of the fans want to interact with us, we'd be more than happy to. But yeah, I think with that, I will, I'm not going to do the the thing that Cal sends us away. I never really like doing that. I'm not, I'm not good at it. That's why I don't like doing it. I'm not, I don't have the same demeanor and tone that he does, but I'll send us off with, I hope everyone has a great 2022. We got a lot of fun things coming up that we still want to talk about. But we hope that everyone has a good 2022 and we are excited to continue producing content on the Legionnaire podcast. But have a good one all. Will out. <laughs>